Welcome to the Isle Podcast. I'm John Prose, a former state representative and state senator in the state of Michigan. And I'm David Rutledge, also a former representative in Michigan. Together, we've seen firsthand how the aisle separates one side from the other. The aisle can, in many instances though, bring us together. Today, we will explore just how the aisle has influenced our leaders and public servants, Republicans and Democrats elected and appointed. So join us in the aisle, where together we can deepen our understanding of the things that separate us and explore just how we can work together for the common good. Please join me and David uh, as we talk to Congressman John Molinar. Congressman Molinar, elected in 2014 to the United States House of Representatives, also happens to be a good friend. Uh, John, welcome to the aisle. It's great to have you joining both David Rutledge and myself, your former colleagues in the House and Senate. But today, a guest, our first guest on the aisle podcast. Welcome, well, Congressman. Welcome. It's wonderful to have you here. Well, thank you so much, David and John. It's great to see you both and to be part of this program. I think it's a fantastic idea. Your friendship is a great example of, of what good things can happen, even across the aisle, building relationships. And, and uh, I'm honored to be with you today. Well, we appreciate it very much. And we're excited to talk about some of the things that happen in your world, uh, not only as a congressman, but as a father. Uh, as a leader in your community. Uh, and, and really it's unique for me because I have the opportunity to actually interview a former colleague and friend who sat just a couple seats away on the Senate floor. Uh, that had to be one of the first big questions for you, right? Which is if I'm gonna serve and I'm gonna serve my community, where am I best to serve? H how in the world did you end up in elective office, let alone being a Congressman in the United States Congress? Well, I, you know, I started off, uh, my first elective office was to the city council in my hometown of Midland, Michigan. And, um, you know, you work on issues there that are vital to the community. We had a big uh, flooding problem back at that point, and uh, people were getting water backing up in their basements. And, and that was an issue that I got involved in to work to help solve for the community. And you know, to me, that's what public service is about, really the opportunity to help people, help your community, your state, your country. It's really an honor to have that role. And um, so, you know, whatever position it is, you're trying to do the best you can for the people you represent. Congressman, take take us back uh, a little a little ways um, in, in terms of um, even before family, I, I, I think, tell us how you met your wife, you know, how you guys came together, started a family, uh, and tell us a little bit about your family. Well, I, uh, I was 33 years old, single, uh, I'd never been married. I met my future wife. She had recently been widowed and had, was raising three children. And uh, so I met her through some mutual friends and uh, fell in love with her. And um, when we got married, uh, we ended up having three additional children. So a total of six. So I went from being single at age 33 to married with six kids uh, not long after that. And uh, we've always joked that the older ones tired us out emotionally, the younger ones tired us out physically. <laughs> and uh, we still look back on that and say, you know, a lot of that was just a blur, trying to remember those years of little ones and teenagers. 
I can I can imagine um, it must have been a, a a massive change in your life. Uh, and as you're running around, I know I know your children from the time that we were in the legislature together were very active and and busy kids too. How, how were you able to manage the the responsibilities in your community at the same time, recognizing that you had really important responsibilities at the Michigan State Capitol and now at our United States Capitol? Well, I. I thank my wife a lot for, you know, being the stability and, and, and being there for the kids, being at a lot of events, whether it's sporting events or academic events, you know, bringing them to different engagements uh, as part of their growing up. A lot of times when I wasn't there, quite frankly, and you always feel that pull of trying to be in multiple places at one time and that just never works. And so um, what we agreed on is, you know, wherever you are, be all there. And uh, so that was kind of our philosophy. If I was going to be in Lansing or in, now in Washington, D.C., got to focus on the work you're doing there. But then when we were with family, you want to be all there as well. And, and, you know, I can't say that I've done that perfectly. I think there have been a lot of times where, you know, you're kind of in both places and neither place uh, at the same time. So. I, I do think that's a tension in this kind of work. You know, you know, John Prose, one of the reasons that you and I came together to um, and, and came up with this idea of, of a podcast was to try to shed more light on on uh, elected officials and people who serve the public. Uh, shed more light on them as a person because people see them from a distance. They see their, their actions, they see newspaper reports, but, but sometimes they don't see them as a, as a real person. Uh, so Congressman, uh, tell us about your, your philosophy in terms of representing uh, your constituency. Well, you know, in these roles, you have sort of a dual role of representing your constituents as well as working on behalf of the entire institution, whether it's the state of Michigan or the United States. And uh, and usually those are very, you know, working together in the same, you know, there are times when you have to make a choice that you think is best for the country or best from the state, not everyone in your uh uh, constituency agrees with that, but you try and just do the best you can representing good judgment and, you know, believing that the reason they elected you is not that you're going to agree all the time, but that you're going to exercise the best judgment you can. You know, when it comes to colleagues, you know, I think you made a very good point of, you know, it's very easy for us to see people in the political world as caricatures. Uh, and rather than as human beings. And I think that's a real mistake we make as legislators when we start to view people who oppose a position or, or in a different perspective on something and start to view them as less than people who are created in the image of God that deserve full respect and, and uh, are trying to do the best they can. So that's something I think you're hitting on is a very important point is, you know, how we can hear each other's stories, learn from each other, build relationships, and when possible, working together. Now we have an ad adversarial system, so at time that isn't possible, yeah. but we can still have that respect, that mutual respect. So, so how do we do that? Knowing that caricatures 
are what the majority of folks see in our communities for good or ill. Uh, we've all been painted as elected officials at one time or another with with kind of a caricature brush. Right. What's the best way for us to try to dispel those myths of who we are as caricatures? Well, one of the things that I know you have benefited from and I've benefited from is, you know, in Lansing, as well as in Washington, D.C., there's a small group of people who get together uh, to build relationships. And it's kind of built on the teachings of Jesus, this idea of coming together, loving your enemies, respecting one another. And in those groups, you know, we invite someone from one side of the aisle to one time, the other side of the aisle to speak another time. We just hear their stories, what it was like for them growing up, what were the defining influences on their life, what they believe about different things. And when you hear someone's story, there's something very powerful of that because you stop looking at them just in terms of an issue or, uh, you know, some kind of a, as we said, a caricature, but you really see them as a human being with a story and you can relate in a totally different way. And I've been very fortunate to be part of that in Lansing and now in Washington, D.C. as well. Congressman, can can you give us an example of of um, across the aisle working together? Maybe in your is there a bill or or uh, or anything that you can think of that you can share with us? that would that would uh, make the point that you're just you just shared with us but make it in a powerful way of showing that you actually can get something done by working across the aisle uh, resulting from relationships that get built uh, by sharing and knowing each other well i i think you know, over my time in the state legislature as well as Congress, and really nothing can actually get done without some kind of bipartisan support and agreement. And, uh, you know, I can think of when I first came to Lansing, uh, I was having a conflict in my district between people using water. And uh, some people wanted to irrigate with the water, some people wanted to, you know, access wells. And, and there was a problem, there was a a shallow aquifer in Saginaw County and and it was creating huge conflicts. And at that point, you know, we had the Republican majority in the House. There was a Republican majority in the Senate and there was a Democratic governor. And, you know, we had to find a way to work together. And I remember, you know, Governor Granholm was governor at that time. And I had built a relationship with uh, a Democratic uh, county commissioner in Saginaw County who happened to be Governor Granholm's hairdresser. <laughs> and, uh, and that county commissioner became a huge advocate of the bill. So every time Governor Granholm would get her hair, you know, done, she would hear from this county commissioner, this Democratic, you know, it's, it's kind of a humorous thing. But I'll yeah. tell you, you know, when you see something get signed into law and you realize it create it requires trust, it create, you know, requires people to see, okay, this is beneficial in public service. Um, and, you know, I, I want to just say, you know, just on a personal note, when we went through some flooding in my district, some of the first calls I got, Rashida Tlaib called and said, hey, you know, we have volunteers in Detroit that would come up and help some of the people who have been victims of the flood. Let me know how I can help. 
Debbie Dingell, who's a Democratic congresswoman, woman, uh, is working on dam safety legislation to help. Uh, when there was a shooting, um, you know, I was at the congressional baseball practice where there was a shooting. One of the first calls I got was from my colleague Dan Kildee on the other side of the aisle. So I, I think these all become, you know, often they become actionable where you're working on legislation together, but the relationships that form uh, help lead to that. How, how can we do a better job of letting people know that these sorts of relationships, which are built over time and with trust and with experiences, I, I recognize that it's not the sexy headline or the sexy story that you had Congresswoman Tlaib uh, calling you almost instantly upon this tragic situation in Midland where two dams burst and and fortunately, no loss of life, but certainly lots of loss of property. Uh, how, do, how do we do a better job of getting that that news out there that, in fact, it's built on relationships? That's the first question. Second question I got to ask, how did you build that relationship with Congresswoman Tlaib? Well, I, you know, it came, you know, she had served in the state legislature when I was in the state legislature in the Senate. She was in the House and it just was a matter of, you know, meeting her through that. But then also, you know, you're riding the airplane with each other back and forth to D.C. So you end up talking to each other. And, and I would say there's many times when almost the whole Michigan delegation is on the same airplane and at the airport talking. And often, as you know, at the airport, things get delayed. And so you talk more and. So I think those kind of friendships ultimately uh, develop if people are interested in doing that. Um, you know, I, I think one of the challenges in our culture, and I look at this in terms of politics, I look at it in terms of sports, is we've kind of lost this idea that you can compete honorably, respecting who your competitor is, uh, and at the end of the day, congratulate someone uh, in, in a sincere way for, for the work they're doing. Uh, I see that in our sports world. I see it in politics. And, um, you know, I, I think in politics, we do have an adversarial system. It's a competing of ideas. But hopefully we'd be at a point where we can compete on ideas. And at the same time, um, recognize that we can can support one another doing the best we can for our constituents and for our country. I wonder, and I, I in my own situation, when I was uh, elected to the, to the state house, um, I I, uh, I went there thinking that I was doing a, a, you know a service, wanting to be a, a service to my to my constituents, making and made some promises to them that I wanted to follow through on. But once I got there, uh, I, I also had another pull on me. It was called a caucus that I was a member of. Uh, and so there were times when that caucus uh, ideas uh, conflicted with what I thought I should be doing for my constituents. And so that put me into this situation of of, of uh, picking and choosing. I, I I suspect that you've been in some of those situations. Any that you can share with us, and which way did you come down? You know, I've found in my time in public service um, 
there have been times when the caucus is asking you to do something and if you aren't comfortable with it and you think differently, as long as you're communicating with people in a forthright manner, uh, there are tremendous freedoms you have as a legislator. I've always found that people will respect you if you're doing the best you can to represent your constituents and you're communicating with others why you're voting the way you are or why you're going to speak on an issue the way you do. And to me, a lot of that has to together with communication. Now, the times when I've made mistakes is when I've uh, not communicated adequately or not informed people of either a change of viewpoint or a different perspective based on information I've received. And I've either forgotten or neglected to communicate that either with my leadership or others involved in the process. And to me, that's a very important uh, distinction where, you know, I can't say that I've ever felt a tremendous amount of pressure on things that I have convictions on uh, mm -hmm. because I've always been able to to explain this is why I need to vote the way I do. And, and I hope you'll respect that. Convictions are such an incredible uh, part of being an elected representative because folks who who vote for you, Congressman, and, and who support you, even those that don't, recognize that you have a particular position that you're coming from and a particular ethos that you bring to the table. Yes. One of the things that I've come to know of, of you in the years that, that we've worked together and been together uh, in the Michigan legislature with David across the uh, across the chambers uh, over in the House of Representatives, we've had the chance to to work together in fellowship. And you, you alluded to that. You do it at a pretty grand scale these days. Tell us a little bit more about your your co-chairmanship of the most recent congressional prayer breakfast. Not a small endeavor and particularly not a small endeavor in a global pandemic. Yeah, we had uh, we've done it twice now in one year. The it was virtual. <laughs> this last year and the year before that it was in person right as the pandemic was starting to hit and as you can imagine there were people from 140 countries coming into washington dc and we were just starting to hear about this virus uh in china so you know i look at that and i'm just so thankful that didn't become a super spreader event because there were 140 countries represented and you can just imagine what a disaster that would have been but um you know, this is a time, it's really been in place since the Eisenhower administration. Uh, and the idea is that, you know, leaders in both the House and in the Senate, bipartisan, would come together, put aside their differences for a morning, have breakfast together, invite the President of the United States, and really focus on praying for the President and encouraging the President, because as you know, that's probably the loneliest place in the world in the White House where you're making these decisions and you're isolated from a lot of your normal life. And so we've had the chance now to do that with President Trump as well as President Biden. And, um, and I would say, you know, one of the benefits of that is we've come together as Democrats and Republicans and, and uh, try and foster that spirit. You know, it doesn't, you know, sometimes it, the hour and a half or two hour breakfast, you know, it seems like a big event. But what's important is the day to day year round relationships that are formed.
because of that little gathering and the, and the weekly gatherings in Congress, both the House and the Senate, and I know in the state legislature, the gatherings. And these big public events are really the visible uh, aspect to the public of what's going on really behind the scenes, fostering better relationships among members. Congressman, um, it, it is, I think you are to be admired in terms of how you represent, how you communicate, and how you are forthright and open. Uh, I mean, you're demonstrating that here. Uh, is there someone uh, that you have looked up to that you consider a mentor? Uh, and if so, can you share with us who that is and, and the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Wow. Well, you know, I, I do have a number of mentors and, and they've really been influential in my life and I've been very thankful. You know, you think about family, you think about close friends over a lifetime, you know, in the political world, you know, one of the first people I worked with was Bill Schutte. In my personal life, there was a man named Mike Timmis, who has been a tremendous uh, mentor for me. Um, I would say one of the things he and others have encouraged me to do is to read the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, because, you know, I think growing up as a young person, you know, you have these ideas about your life, what's important and kind of what you're going to do. And what I love about the scriptures and the Proverbs is it's a book of wisdom giving from a father to a son, you know, from the wisest person uh, who lived and it's all right there. And so as I started reading that and trying to integrate those truths, uh, to me, that was a huge difference. But I mentioned Mike Timmis because he intentionally allowed me to be an intern with him for about two years and just see how he lived his life, did his business, did his philanthropy. He's a businessman uh, related to his family, uh, really uh, steward the gifts that God had given him in terms of wealth, in terms of abilities. And, you know, I can't think of too many people that would invite a young person in their life just to kind of watch and learn from. And to me, that was just remarkable. I mean, so much of public service is negative and to have mentors that lead you towards the good, lead you towards the beautiful. Um, I, I know that that in your role in Congressional Prayer Breakfast and your work in the fellowship group um, that we've talked about today. Congressman, give me give me a little background on on your relationship with Representative Swazi. Uh, I, I saw that the two of you uh, were our co-hosts this year in the Congressional Prayer Breakfast. I got to figure that some of Mike Timmis's own recommendations and mentorship has led you to that relationship with a, a Democrat from New York. Well, it's really been a gift to get to know Tom Swazi. Um, you know, he, as you mentioned, is a Democrat from New York. We had the chance to chair, co-chair the prayer breakfast together. And um, we actually, when we're in DC, we each rent a room in a building and we're on the same floor. And so we've actually become very good friends. You have to share a bathroom, too. We have to share a bathroom, you know, so it's, it's really glamorous uh, stuff. And um, but 
you know, through that, we've really developed a friendship, a trust. Um, he's someone who I have a tremendous admiration for. Now, we don't always vote the same way. We think differently on different issues. But I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. And it was really an honor to co-chair the breakfast. And we're actually doing a little study in the scriptures together now on the Gospel of John, which uh, we do pretty much weekly and we're both learning and and uh, to me that's that's a great way to build a friendship as well. Congressman, if you were giving some advice to um, those who are listening and watching uh, us today uh, and maybe they may be interested in public service, serving in some capacity, elected office or appointed, what advice would you give them? Well, I think your question about mentors is really vital. Um, you know, one of my personal heroes is a, a man named William Wilberforce, who back in the 1800s helped lead the abolition of the slave trade in Great Britain. And you study his life and you see how he built these friendships, not based on party affiliation, but uh, kind of loving God, loving one another, building a team over 30 years they ended up abolishing the slave trade at a time when financially great britain was very dependent on the the money involved and uh so he was considered a traitor and and i would say look to heroes like that wilberforce was a hero lincoln has been a hero and to me the way he helped our country reconcile after the civil war um the way he had a spirit of reconciliation and even in the midst of a war to me is a tremendous example of a leader, the humility, yet the strength. Um, so I think having role models, reading history, biographies, uh, as well as kind of building a team of like-minded people uh, who care about their country and, and, or their community, and, um, and then work together as a team. Because I think to me having some friends and a team is really important in whatever you're going to do. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Hey, as we start to wrap up, um, Congressman, we had the chance to work together in the Michigan House of Representatives during some shutdowns. I recall some 24 hour sessions, some overnight sleeping on the floor. Uh, it was a heck of an experience for everybody. And of course, the citizens of Michigan were waiting for a budget. I never asked you this question, and I think this one's a good one to kind of wrap us up today as David and I were thinking about how to ask this question. If you were to have your autobiography, let's say you had your autobiography, you're ready to title it and the publisher's ready to put it out onto print. What would the title of your autobiography look like? What would that say? You know, I, I think it would be something about being on the journey. Um, and because I look back at my life and there are a lot of dots that are very hard to connect and you, but you look back and you say, okay, there, there was this journey that was happening. I do believe it was guided. Uh, I wasn't the one guiding it. In fact, much of the time I was kind of veering off in other directions. Uh, but I do think something about life on the journey and, you know, kind of trying to go through that journey with some friends and uh, being guided by uh, a spirit of grace and truth to me, uh, that would be fantastic. So 
Yes. Well, thank you. That, that is, I think we all are a work in progress. There's no doubt about it. And uh, we want to thank you, uh, John, Congressman Molinar, uh, our friend, uh, for joining us here today in the aisle, a chance for us to talk about what it means to be in the center aisle and how we can bring people together on both sides of the aisle, as David and I have done today. So thank you again, Congressman Molinar, for joining us in the aisle. All right. Appreciate you guys. Congressman, I, uh, a special thank you. Uh, John has expressed it best, but just having you and your openness and honest, honesty with us today has been really special. Thank you for joining us today for the Isle podcast. If you liked today's discussion, be sure to like, subscribe, and share the Isle podcast on Facebook, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also find us at theislepodcast.com. So step into the aisle and make a difference in your life, just like our guest today. And we'll see you in the aisle.